Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve. Welcome to our podcast and presentation for today. This is the third installment of Next Generation Excel Reporting. In this class, we are looking at the Next Generation Excel features and functions with Power Query, Power Pivot, DAX, Data Analysis Expressions, Slicers and Timelines, and more. These five functions that we put together could really massively improve the use of spreadsheets inside your organizations. Uh, they can make you faster with the data work that you're doing, more uh, accurate with the special work that you're doing, and overall, just improve just about every aspect of your utilization of Excel. And with these different features and functions, these are the things that I've been reaching for just about every time I open the application. So in this class, in episodes one and two, we've started to explore things like Power Query. And today we're going to pick up and continue that discussion, uh, actually going right back into Power Query and talking through some of the major features and functions that you can use with this incredible tool. Uh, today, we're even going to talk about how we can import dynamic data sets, including things like databases directly into uh, Power Query and then ultimately into our Excel uh, data model. Okay, we're also going to talk about different ways that we can utilize data models inside of Excel. This will become helpful as we start to look at tools and features such as DAX and Power Pivot. And of course, we'll also learn a bunch of different tricks and tips along the way. So all that and more in today's CPE Today podcast. Before we get started, I do want to remind you that if you're a financial professional, you can earn credits for watching or listening to today's podcast. Super simple. After watching or listening, head on over to cpetoday.com where you will take a short five-question quiz and then earn a credit for today's class. In addition to purchasing the course, you can also get copies of our learning materials. And with today's class for Excel, you're definitely going to want to get your hands on those because you'll be able to walk through and try all of the different things that we are going to discuss and review today. You can also download copies of the learning materials, ask me questions, and more. Now, if you're a new viewer or listener to the CPE Today podcast, welcome. We're so happy that you're here and happy that you found us. How about you get a free CPE credit on us? Head on over to cpetoday.com and use one free podcast at checkout and you will earn a credit for whatever course you'd like. You can take this class or really any other class that we have in our podcast catalog. And there's a ton these days. We're going to get started with our presentation. At the end of our presentation, I'll join you back where we'll do three quick review questions and then get you on your way. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. All righty. So in the first half of our presentation, we discussed essentially the tabular data model and getting our data into uh, Excel. Uh, we looked at, for example, an overview of these five dis different in and incredible tools ranging from the data modeling and table functionality uh, to now Power Query. Uh, we've also, you know, kind of introduced some of the other advanced capabilities that we're going to look at here in our next section, which are going to include things like Power Pivot, DAX, and Slicers and Timelines. We're going to go ahead and come back into our Power Query because there's even more functionality that we should be aware of uh, because it is incredible. It can really kind of do just about anything that we want. Now, in this next section, we're going to go look at actually importing in a database, a dynamic data set from um, Access. 
this is an example of information that you would get maybe from an ERP solution, a accounting solution, a customer relationship system. Uh, the intention of this is really to kind of show that data can come from any number of these dynamic resources where the actual data set can grow um, as the system is used. I mean, an e-commerce solution, for example, will often have orders coming in constantly, and it should. Um, if we utilize this particular approach, we hook Power Query up to the different data sets and Power Query will dynamically access that data for us. It gives us the ability using the data modeling and Power Pivot to be able to mash up accounting data, ERP operations data, customer data, all into one single data model, which we can then use for reports. So let's go ahead and switch over and take a look at our data set. Okay. Alrighty. So we are going to be working with a sample data set called the AdventureWorks database. This is a sample data set provided by Microsoft as a pretty robust uh, example of what you could expect from a database. Uh, and it's pretty good in terms of, you know, kind of giving us a representative example of what you could expect coming from like an accounting system and what that might look like. Now we're going to start just taking a quick look here in Access, and then we're going to uh, switch over to Excel and we're going to bring in this data in so you can see it. Okay. Now databases are very similar to an Excel worksheet in a lot of respects. Uh, if we think about a workbook, what is a workbook? It is a collection of worksheets. What is a worksheet? It is a collection of rows and columns. What are rows and columns? Well, they're just a collection of cells. And so we want to, for example, have perspective of where we are uh, at any given point. You know, so a database is pretty much the exact same thing. You know, instead of having a workbook, worksheet, rows, columns, and cells, we have a database. A database has tables. Tables have rows, columns, and cells. So it's just a, a really kind of a difference in terminology. Okay. The other thing that goes along with a database compared to a workbook is that a database is going to have a lot more structure compared to a workbook. A workbook you can design any kind of way you want. You know, and there's no right or wrong way, although there are certainly preferred ways to not preferred ways in terms of uh, being able to uh, work with it. But the way that the data is actually structured, like numbers and letters and characters, I mean, is all relatively uh, the same. Okay. And the database is just going to have more structure to it than what we would get, for example, from a worksheet. And we will often have additional thought and methodology with respect to how we're going to structure a database compared to a work uh, book. Now, the other big thing is when we're working with a database, the data is going to be uh, standardized across the entire table. You know, for example, here, if we're looking at our sales order, okay, well, this column is going to be single purpose. It's just going to be the due date. Or, for example, this column here will just be the status of that particular order. Databases don't allow for exceptions based off of, oh, I want this one row not to store status, but instead to store customer ID. When we design our databases, they have to be relatively unique. And this is not a bug. This is a feature. Uh, and that's often where accountants, I think, kind of get stymied with getting started with databases is that they're used to the fact that they can multi-purpose things and, and um, you know, bring them in in, in their specific work style. Uh, with the database, you're going to have to deal with the structure of that database and what it looks like in functions will often be something that you will not have the ability to control or, or work with yourself. Now, the good news is with Power Query, you can. With Power Query, we can bring in this data and we can organize this data uh, and then ultimately deliver it to our, our worksheet 
in the way that makes sense to us. So we're not stuck with having to focus on the way QuickBooks stores data or Acumatica stores data. We can make it unique to us. It's just the starting off point in terms of actually getting the data in there, it's gonna be in that database format. Now, the next thing I wanna draw your attention to over here in this Access Database is all these things over here. These are tables, right? Now, database is like a, a workbook on steroids. There are lots of tables often in a database. The biggest database I work with on a regular basis for a client is like 600 tables of data. It's a monster database. And as big as this is, all of these tables are single purpose, okay? So we've got, for example, our order sales, uh, sales, sales order header, which is macro information about our orders. We have our person, person table, which is information about people. There is no common schema. You can design a database any way you want. Again, there are best practices. But if you're going to, you know, the question that sometimes will pop up here is that, um, is that, uh, you know, hey, where do I go find my orders? Where do I go find my general ledger? Where do I go find my accounts payable in a specific database? The answer is it's going to vary. Uh, and that is where the devil is in the details. And that is where expertise and uh, working knowledge of the database come together. I could tell you, you know, I maybe have never worked with ever accounting system you know or whatever one you're using but i know how to work with databases and so it takes time to familiarize yourself with the schema in terms of how it's organized but the way we will import this data in from this database to our um, excel workbook will be the same it, it won't vary at all uh, so you need to not only have knowledge about how a database works and how a database functions. But then the other piece of this is you also need to know the actual schema of the stuff that you're working with. Um, and having both of those are really kind of necessary for this next piece to work uh, effectively. Now, almost all databases use what is called SQL or structured query language. It is a database language for learning how to manipulate data. And when I'm asked by folks like, hey, Steve, what is the single skill I should learn that I don't have currently as a CPA? My answer is always the same. If you don't know how to work with databases, you absolutely should. Let me go ahead and share this resource with you. This is a organization called Code Academy, and they offer a lot of amazing and free resources for learning coding. Um, and you can even learn, for example, SQL, Structured Query Language. That is the standard language, whether you're working with Access, whether you're working with MySQL, MS SQL, Postgres, Sybase, or any of the other ones, uh, this is going to be the uh, common term and the common um, language that kind of brings them all together. And this is a wonderful resource to be able to learn how to do SQL. Uh, I could tell you out of all the knowledge I have, this is probably the knowledge I use consistently the most. And if you're looking to do more advanced stuff with Excel, like Power Pivot, and uh, certainly uh, Power BI and other tools like this, I'm telling you right now, you know, a couple of hours of training on this will be worth hours and days of frustration, uh, because it's really, in my opinion, prerequisite functionality, and you need to know how to do this. And this knowledge will pay off in spades, in my opinion. From my perspective, I think you can learn most database stuff in about 40 hours. So one week of time, and you'll use it the rest of your life. And uh, this is a great way to get started in terms of understanding how databases are structured. Here's another really good resource. This is SQL Zoo. This is 100% free and open source. And it's great, you know, in terms of being able to... Uh, learn some of the specifics. I'll also point out the CPE Today podcast. We've also covered some of the specifics for data sharing and integration. And most of that is applicable also with learning how to uh, utilize um, 
learning how to utilize, for example, uh, a database effectively. And if you check out our podcast, uh, you can actually learn how to do some of this uh, right inside that podcast and it will uh, walk it through with you uh, automatically. Uh, right there. So all here are three resources that you can check out to learn how to use databases a little bit more effectively. Okay, so you need to have working knowledge of how a database works. And you also need to have working knowledge of how this specific database uh, was structured to work. Okay, so in this particular example, the AdventureWorks database has some specific tables that are of interest to us. And we want to ultimately be able to create a pivot table that brings these different data pieces together for us. Okay, what we want to bring in is our data around our people, indicated by the um, prefix person. We want to bring in data around our organization, which is going to be prefixed by production. And we want to bring in data around sales. Okay, so let's go ahead and make that happen. Now, we don't actually need to use Excel for this, or we don't need to use Access for this. We can do all of this directly inside of Excel. Okay, I've adjusted some of the layout for Excel. Hopefully, the buttons and everything look, look a little bit more crisp and high resolution. Uh, if so, you know, shoot me a chat and let me know if it looks a little bit better on your side. Okay, to get started with importing in dynamic data coming from a database, where we're going to start is going to be over here under the Data tab. And on the data tab on the far left side, we'll see that we get the get data button. And from the get data button, we're going to come down here and we're going to choose from database and we're going to choose from access. Okay. If we were working with uh, Dynamics AX, for example, a very large accounting solution, most likely we would be using SQL Server. Let's take a quick look at that first and then we will uh, import in our data for access. Now, when you're working with the database, you really just need to know three things. Okay, where the data is located, and then any sort of authentication information for what you're looking for. If you're working with Microsoft SQL, for example, which is a very commonly used database format, my, and one of my favorites, truthfully, the server address would either be an IP address represented by like a 192.168 number, or hopefully it's represented by a domain name like db.yourcompany.com, you know, which would represent working from the database. And then you might need, for example, a um, username and password to be able to accept this. Now, a question I usually get asked is, well, hey, Steve, how do I actually get access to that database? And my response would be, this would be a great question for your IT team. Um, with your IT team, they're going to be the ones that are going to set up access so that you can access this database. And um, what I would tell you is this will strike fear into the hearts of any IT administrator when you tell them, hey, can I get uh, production access to the database? I mean, any IT administrator would you know, shiver at that particular comment. However, if you are going to talk with them, the phrase you're going to want to use is, hey, I would like read-only access for reporting purposes. Uh, you never want to write data back from Excel to that database, although in a lot of instances there are tools that will allow you to do it. Uh, from experience, you're going to cause yourself issues, and so don't even don't even bother. So we just want to get read-only access to be able to access it, but we need to know where the server is located and what database we're using, and then a username and password to be able to access it. So here's our representative example using Microsoft Access. We're going to come up here to Get Data, and from Get Data, we're going to go ahead and choose the Access option here. And I will point out, there's like five different ways you can do this. You can do it from here. You could also come down here to from other sources and use Microsoft Query. You can come down here to blank query. You could use ODPC. 
lots of different choices. But what we're going to use is the native connector for access. And that just means that we're going to just use the normal connector provided by Microsoft rather than some sort of middleware, like an example would be CDATAs. So we're going to come over here and we're going to navigate to where that file is located. In this case, it is in Chapter 3, so we're going to choose this file here. And it is going to go ahead and load up that Access Database. Okay, give it a second here. And just like when it was looking for a website, looking to connect out, this does the exact same thing. It's going to go ahead and scan that database looking for data that we can import in. So we've got our human resource data. We've got, for example, our data for um, our production access, our people data. We've got sales data. We've got more that we can choose. Now we're going to go ahead and import data coming in from nine different tables. So we're going to go ahead and choose people data. We're going to go ahead and choose our person address. And before we do this, let's actually go ahead and click this little guy right here that says select multiple items. Okay. And we're going to go ahead and give these a little checkbox. So we're going to go ahead and say person address. We're going to go ahead and say uh, person country region. Okay. We're going to go ahead and say person state province. We're going to drop down to our production prefix and we're going to go ahead and choose production product. Okay. And I'm going to pause here just for a moment. And there we go. And just point out again, remember I mentioned the single responsibility principle. When a database is well structured, when you go looking for something, it's going to be descriptive of what that item is. In this case, this is our product data. I wouldn't expect, for example, this to be in our accounts payable. I wouldn't expect our product data to be located in customers. We write it once, we put it into a single table. And when we want to go grab our product data, we grab it from one specific source. And everything related to that product is going to be located in that one table. It's a very important principle. We're going to choose our product category, which is going to be our categories. And you, again, you'll start to see, for example, our primary keys and secondary keys and, and foreign keys represented here. So we've got a couple of categories that we can choose. Okay, we're going to choose our product subcategory as well. We're going to choose our sales customer. We're going to choose our order detail and our order header. All right, so let's just double check. Order header, order detail, order customer. Okay, we've got our production subcategory. We've got our production category. We've got our product. There we go. And we've got our state province. We've got our country region. And we've got our person address. All righty. So once we've got all these different items and what we've got, we could, for example, take it into Power Query and we could be able to edit this. So if we go ahead and we click this transform data, it is going to load these different resources into Power Query. And then we can do additional modifications to whatever our heart's content are to make this work the way that we want. Okay, so if we zoom in here, here's our person address, here's our product category information whatever we would like it to be. And so we can make any sort of transformations. It might be something simple like, uh, you know, I want to I want to move this over here, you know, to get it to be in the correct position. Uh, or we could end up removing columns, adding columns, or, or kind of doing whatever else we might need. You know, and often when we're bringing in data from databases, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's just not going to be needed, you know, and it's not going to necessarily slow us down, but it does add other complexity that might not be required. You know, it's a good example here. Let's scroll over to the right on our person address. 
you'll see that we've got spatial location and we've also got this what's called a GUID, which is a database tool for recognizing uh, specific records. And you know what? These might not be required. So we can go ahead and select those items, select remove columns and drop them out as needed. Okay, and then what we can ultimately do with this is that we can select our close and load, and then we can return this data back to Excel. And what we're going to see here over on the right-hand side is that we're going to see a listing of all those tables that we're bringing in. And then also along the bottom here, we're going to see a listing of all of those data sets as they're being imported in. Okay, so we'll scroll out here. Let's zoom out a little bit. You can start to see that data start to populate. And on the right-hand side, all those different data sets are being loaded in. So we have 19,000 person uh, people. Uh, we have uh, 238 regions that are being loaded in. If we scroll down here in terms of our sales, okay, often with uh, things like, let's say, inventory or products or um, sales, you'll often have a macro-level table and a micro-level table. Our sales order header, for example, contains all the macro information about that order, which would be things like, um, you know, who purchased it, the customer ID, the date, tax information, stuff like that. And you'll often have one record represented here, you know, because one row would be one sale. And then you'll have another table that will be like an order detail uh, or a function table. You'll notice there's 31,000 individual orders, but we have 121,000 order details. Well, those represent, in this particular case, the row number, because you could often have an order that might have several specific products purchased in this. And in fact, we do see that listed here, where this order here, okay, order number 43,659, well, the person purchased three things, uh, row number one, two, and three. Okay, so we can see those different items listed. Now, if we wanted to create a pivot table from this, we absolutely could. Okay, and there's several different ways that we could go about doing this. But a big piece of this would be, in order for this to work effectively, we would need to map the relationships between these different data pieces together so that the pivot table would be able to function. So where we're going to go ahead and do that is going to be over here under the Data tab. And from the Data tab, in our Data Tools section, okay, we're going to see that we've got that Relationships, oops, We've got that relationships uh, button and we're going to go ahead and click that little guy right there. And what we would end up having to do here is map out all the different relationships to make this data set work correctly. Okay. And so it would be literally going through every single one of these and mapping every item to every other table, which could be a very laborious process. Okay. In practice, as I mentioned earlier, we don't really do this for more than about one or two tables, but rather we will do this uh, for, one, I'm sorry, we would only use this particular dialog box if we're only mapping in one or two tables. It would be very, very laborious to do this in this particular instance where we've got eight or nine tables listed and the odds of us missing something are going to be very high. Instead, what we will use is we will use the data modeling tools in Power Pivot. So right below our relationships, we'll see that little power pivot relationships button here. And then right below, it, we'll see our little green button for the power pivot window. We're going to load this guy up. And once this pops up here, we will be able to um, map these relationships off a lot simpler and easier. Now we're going to go through some of the specifics of power pivot in a minute. So no need to dive deep into this. 
okay? But what we would probably do is we come over here to our diagram view once we were to load those items up and we would map in the specifics with respect to our uh, relationships. Give me one second, let me see if I can trigger this to work. Okay. Uh, another option that we can also do with this too is to start creating our pivot table. That will also create the data model. But one piece of this that I forgot, we need to actually create the model from here. So uh, what we will end up doing is just come over here to our insert menu, pivot table, and then what the option we would want to select is actually this little guy right here that says whether or not we want to uh, add this data to the data model. And so if we click this, it's going to add this table plus every other table into the data model, which then will make it available in Power Query for us to be able to map it out. So let's try that one more time. So we've created our pivot table. We've told it added to the data model. Let's come back over here to our Power Pivot. And hmm, it is not showing us the other items. Let me try that. You know, we'll come back to this one here in a little bit uh, as when we go to the Power Pivot screens, there are some specifics that might be very helpful uh, for us here. Let me try one thing. Yep, they're all listed here. So I think maybe it's just uh, not caught up just the second. But we would need to be able to map all those together in terms of uh, being able to create that relationship in order for them all to be able to be used inside of this pivot table. Uh, without being mapped in terms of the actual relationships together, you're going to end up with uh, a, a, a data table that doesn't actually map together. So if you check out the book, I've actually got the mapping of how each of these should be in terms of how you would want to structure them in terms of uh, setting it up for your model. And when we come back to our power pivot example here in a little bit, um, we will be bringing those in as well. So that's what it looks like to bring in data coming in from a database. Um, and overall, I mean, it's a pretty effective and easy way to be able to map in dynamic data. You know, the biggest benefit of this being is that this data is not actually imported into uh, is not actually imported into Excel, but rather linked. We can at any point come on over here to our data tab, select this refresh all button, and it will connect back out to these data sources and it will automatically pull that data in. And we can see that it's even re-importing that data in right away. So whether this be your accounting system, your customer relationship management system, or something else, uh, this would be where we would import in this dynamic data. So we're going to come back to this example here in a minute. When we look at Power Pivot, we're going to do something very similar to it. But uh, let's go ahead and look at some of the other really kind of cool things that you can do with Power Query. And specifically what I want to look at is I want to show you some of the unique things that we can do for modifying data to break it to make it more applicable and more useful inside of excel okay so we're going to look at our useful examples of power query transformations and let's walk through a couple of different examples of things that we can do inside of excel with power query now a couple ones that are really really useful uh, often where we will use power query is when the data isn't just right you know it's not for example in the method um for what we want it uh, to be either the data maybe for example needs to be pivoted or unpivoted maybe it needs to be split and transformed maybe it needs to be grouped 
uh, we can use Power Query to do just about all of these things. And the benefit being compared to like the native Excel functionality is that uh, when we do it using Power Query, it's repeatable in the future. Okay, so in our first example here, we have a listing of transactional data. And this transactional data is uh, just general ledger data. Um, we can see here there's a particular period. There's also a uh, account that it applies to and then a specific amount. You know, really what we would like it to be, though, is that we would like it to already be summarized and we would like it to be pivoted. Okay. And the benefit of using Power Query is that we can bring in this data in that raw format, pivot it in Power Query, and then when it's returned back to Excel, it's already locked and loaded and ready to go. Now, to use Power Query for manipulation of data inside of Excel, we have to use the table functionality. Again, that's why we kind of start with that discussion of tables is because it predicates so many other things inside of Excel, including a lot of the functionality of Power Query. Now, if your data is not in a table format to begin with, when you go to utilize Power Query with this data, it will prompt you to turn it into a table and to get it to a name. But for our sample files here, we've already turned it into a table and we can see it even has a table name. And so we can already use it. So what we're going to do to modify this data to pivot it is that we will just put our active cell somewhere inside of that table. We're going to come over here to our data tab. And from our data tab, we're going to go ahead and on the left-hand side here, select the option that says from table range. And in doing so, it's going to load this data straight away into uh, Power Query. And it's going to essentially bring it up and make it available for us to be able to manipulate and modify. So we want to turn this into a pivot table where the data is already cross-summarized both by period and by account. So what we're going to do is with the month column selected from the home tab, we're going to click date in the data type, and we're going to go ahead and replace some existing data uh, to make it a little bit cleaner. Okay. So we're going to want to step through the different pieces of this to ultimately make this data a little bit easier and cleaner for us to work with. And the first bit of this is, is notice that when we brought in this data with the date associated with it, it included the time and all of it is at 12 uh, midnight not really useful. We could change the data type of something inside of Power Query by in the, the actual viewer itself, clicking either the ABC, the 1.2, or in this case, the calendar with a, a clock next to it, and we could change the type. So let's, for example, change this from date time to rather just date, and you'll notice it will drop that date. Now, before it does, it can say, hey, do you want to replace the current step that you're on, or do you want to uh, uh, add a new step? In almost all circumstances, I personally recommend just add a new step. That way you're not stepping over work that you've done previously. And you'll notice once I select that, the time drops away and we now just have a very clean date. If we wanted to, this would be a good time, for example, to adjust the presentation. So maybe if we want to do it in ascending or descending order, that's when we can go ahead and do that as well. Okay, so the next thing that we're going to want to do here is we're going to want to pivot the data around the amount column. Okay, so we're going to select this particular column here. And then from the transform work uh, from the transform tab, we're going to go ahead and select this item here. And then we're going to go ahead and um, select the pivot column option. All right, so let's see, where are you? It's always fun trying to remember where all these are things are. There we are, pivot column. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and select this pivot column. Okay, it's going to take a second from there, and it's going to ask us how do we want to pivot 
this particular column. So it's going to ask us first off, where is the money or where is the amount that we want to be able to pivot around the, the, the you know, essentially the numbers based thing. And we're not going to say it's the month. Uh, we're going to go ahead and say it is. Hold on, let me try that one more time. Okay. What is going on here? Oh, wait, hold on. Okay, sorry, we want to select the account column. And we're going to go ahead and select the pivot. And it's going to say, cool, we want to pivot around the account column. So we're going to choose where the values are. Okay. In this particular instance, we're going to pivot around the account column. The amount is going to be what we're going to do our calculations on. And then we're going to go ahead and click OK. And in doing so, watch what ends up happening. It ends up summarizing our data by time over here by month and then giving us a nice pivot around the account. And in this case, summarizing each of these by the um, by the amount. Okay. So let's go ahead and try that one more time. Let's say instead we wanted to summarize it by month. Well, we would select the month that we would want to pivot on, select the pivot column. Okay, what account uh, do we, or what uh, column do we want to do our value calculation on? We'd go ahead and choose the amount column. We'll click okay. And in this case, you'll see it kind of summarizes it going in the other direction, uh, in this case by uh, time. Okay, now, if we're happy with this, we come on over here to the home. We're going to go ahead and select that close and load. And it takes this ledger based data and will produce that pivot table very cleanly for us. Okay. Now, when that underlying data changes, let's come over here and let's add a new row. And let's go ahead and add a row just so we know that it's today. And let's say 0609 2021. Uh, let's say this is for seminar expenses. Okay, and let's say it's 3,500 bucks. Okay, so this would represent data changing in that underlying um, database or wherever your data happens to be located. You open up Excel, you come into your data set, you come over here to the data tab, you click that refresh all button. It's gonna run those calculations again, in this case, easily picking up that 3,500 here. Now, if that data goes away, let's go ahead and remove that or it modifies, maybe it changes from 3,500 to 5,000. Okay, if it's no longer present in that data set, once it's refreshed, you'll see that goes away. And so it'll always keep your data in uh, lockstep with each other. So that is how we would pivot data. Let's talk about the other direction of this. You know, often we're working maybe with a summarized report. In this particular case, I've downloaded a report that comes and it's already been summarized. Um, in this case, this is, uh, let's say, commission data for our different salespeople here. Okay. And it's summarized by time. And it's not that this report is bad, but with this particular report, I can't do any of my own normal pivot table stuff with this. I'm kind of locked and loaded into whatever format that that report came from. Well, you know, what if I wanted to create my own pivot table from this? I can't. Okay. One of the first things that you're going to want to do anytime that you're working with a pivot table um, and you want to create a pivot table, you want to unsummarize that data. Pivot tables work best with raw data, and then it creates its own summary, its own totals with it. Now I could manually do this, but it would be really difficult to be able to calculate. Because ultimately what I want is I want a column for our salesperson. I want a column for the date that that period occurred. And I want a column for value to do that calculation on. Right now it's doing that summarization for us. Additionally, I don't want a total column here. I want these totals both at the bottom and on the right-hand side to go away. 
let's go ahead and try this and unpivot this data. Now, this data is coming from Sage 50, and uh, this is just showing us, you know, the summary by period. So this is what you would expect maybe if you were to export in a finished report from, you know, Sage or QuickBooks or another solution like it. So we're going to come over here to our data tab. On the left-hand side, we're going to choose this option that says from table range. And because this is not a table, we're going to have to create it as a table first and foremost. And so it's going to ask us straight away, okay, cool. You know, do you want to turn this into a table? And you have to do this. So we're going to go ahead and click OK here. Now, once we click OK, it's going to load up Power Query and it's going to bring in that data into the uh, tool for us to be able to manipulate. Okay, so we have our data presented here and we want to be able to get it back into that raw data format. Just like with before, usually your best bet is to ensure that the data types are correct. You know, so I want to ensure, for example, that these are bringing in uh, numeric data. I want to make, for example, over here that this is correct text data. And usually what I will recommend is that you also go and adjust your column headers straight away. So over here, let's call this salespeople. Like that, giving instead of column one now a nice title. Now, the next thing I want to do to, to ensure that this uh, report will work correctly is to remove my totals. And I have two. I have a total here on the right-hand side, and then I also have a total down here on my last row. Now, for removing columns, it's pretty simple. Select the total column, okay? And then on the right-hand side, um, you know, that's where that total usually would live. And then on the left-hand side of the application, you'd see this option right here that says choose columns and remove columns. Now, what's kind of cool about this, like what happens next month when there is a November or a April 2019, then a May 2019, so on and so forth. If I always tell it to delete this one column and I add additional columns, I could end up deleting a specific column that actually has data. It's not the column itself. They've accounted for this. If we click this remove columns here, we could tell it to be a little bit more granular with respect to what it will do. So we could select this and then we could say, for example, uh, remove it and it will specifically go to look for that column in the future and remove that specific column. At any point, we can come over here under our home tab and select advanced editor. And this will actually show us the, the code that it is using for generating this power query statement and if we look at this last item here it says remove columns okay and it specifically is removing the column called total so even if that column is not the leftmost column or the rightmost column in the future it's going to specifically look for that column name even if the data set dynamically adjusts and changes now we can do the same thing with our total row we have our total row down here and we want to get rid of that total row as well because that total row is going to cause problems when we go to do our modification. So we're going to select something similar. We're going to go ahead in this case, select the remove totals, or sorry, the remove rows. And we're going to see that there are a couple of options here. We can see remove top rows, bottom rows. We can remove alternating rows if need be. We could specifically look for duplicates. We can specifically look for blanks and errors as well. In our particular instance, we want to remove bottom rows and totals are almost always going to be our final uh, row in any particular data set because that's typically where totals live. So in this particular instance, we can tell it to always remove 
the last row of this data set. So even if this data set grows from 32 to 34, from 34 to 500, it will always remove that last row. And if we click OK here, you'll see, in fact, that total row is gone. So we've done a pretty good job so far. We've essentially removed our totals. We've given the columns a correct uh, title. Uh, we've given uh, um, the application the ability to be able to uh, transform this into a raw data format. Okay, so what we're going to do next is we're going to unpivot it. And we need to tell it what column we want to unpivot this around and to create the larger data set around. And we want to do that around the salesperson. Ultimately, what we're looking to create here is a worksheet where there is a column for the salesperson, a column for the date, and then a column for that value. So we're going to select this salesperson here. And from our transform ribbon, we're going to go ahead and select this unpivot columns. And we're going to go ahead and select this. Oops, hold on, I did that wrong. Let's try that one more time. We're going to select our salesperson here, and we're going to drop down our unpivot. And what we're going to go ahead and select is this unpivot other columns option. And in doing so, it kind of puts this into that correct format. And you'll see here when we create our own pivot table, but this is exactly what you would want it to be. Now, we're going to want to come over here, for example, and retitle as well as correctly map the right data type to this uh, particular column type. So over here, you'll see the column is no longer called date because there wasn't a date column to begin with. It was a header row. So we need to double click inside of this and say date. Additionally, you're absolutely going to want to always ensure that the data type is consistent throughout the column and then also correctly specified at the top of the uh, at the top um, for that specific uh, column, ensuring that, for example, here, this is not alphanumeric, but rather it is a date field. Now, the reason that's so important is as we start to look at other applications inside of Excel around pivot tables and other things, in order to do like date time calculations, that data type has to be set correctly. Okay, over here, this is correct. We can see that the value is in fact a, um, a decimal type. So we could select this to be whatever we want it to be, decimal, currency, any one of those will be fine. I generally try to avoid using currency signs except for my header and total rows. So I generally kind of live mostly in this decimal space, but just be aware that there are other options available to you as well. Now, once we're happy with this, this data looks correct. Let's go ahead and come back over here to our home tab. And from our home tab, we're going to go ahead and select this close and load. And just like with the pivot approach, this is going to create a new worksheet for us. And that new worksheet will have the data in that correct format. Now, this might look less intuitive. And in fact, it is, uh, sorry, less useful. And in fact, it is less useful. This is what this table would look like in its raw data format. But this is just merely a stop on our way for analysis. Now that we've unpivoted our data, you know, coming from this particular format now into this particular format, we can now create our own pivot table which we'll do from the table design tab, selecting summarize with pivot table, or from the insert tab and selecting pivot table from here, or using a keyboard shortcut of our choosing. As with other pivot tables that utilize table functionality, you'll see, for example, it specifies the table name rather than the cellular position, allowing this to dynamically grow or contract or modify. We'll go ahead and click OK. And now we can go ahead and we can build our own pivot table. So let's drag salesperson down here to rows. Let's drag our date over here to columns. Let's drag our value down here to values. And here you go. Okay. Let's compare this with the original format. 
So if we put these two side by side, here's what it looked like. Here's what it looked like inside of uh, the native format, you know, that came from whatever system we were using, in this case, Sage 50. And here's what it looks like using that Excel pivot table. So using this method, you're able to extract data, put it back into its raw format, and then create whatever other type of analysis that you would like with it. Uh, the benefit of this being, you know, if you want to do something like a pivot chart, you absolutely can. You can easily add that pivot chart functionality to this, uh, and you could not easily do that with the data being in that format. The takeaway is that Power Query always can get the data into the correct format for you. And when this data adjusts and grows in the future, guess what? Your pivot table, your summary table, all of it will grow with it. Let's take a look at another example here. Okay. So in this example, we have some data that we want to parse. Now, parse is a technical term that really kind of means um, to break something apart. Okay, so in this particular example, we've got uh, city, state, and zip data. And I'd really, really like that my city is in one column and my uh, state is in another column and then my uh, zip code is in another. Now, the traditional way that we've always handled this inside of Excel is to use text to columns. Okay, and I still use text to columns. It's great for one-off stuff. If we select this column here and we do our text to columns like this, for example, and uh, we would definitely choose the delimited version. We would say, hey, go ahead and break here after our space. You know, we could go ahead and we could break this apart. However, as you can see here, uh, you know, <laughs> it's not perfect. Uh, the reason being, if we just go ahead and bracket this up, this data isn't consistent. You know, if we're breaking based off of space and comma, there's inconsistencies with this data. First and foremost, our header, for example, has an extra space here. Whenever possible, it'll just save you a couple of clicks. Clean up your header rows. Those will make it a little bit easier. Okay. Let's try that one more time, and uh, let's do this based off of our comma again. Okay. And actually, yes, comma is what we want to do. Okay. And then this would break it apart, and then we would often have to do this a second time, but we're going to get an error here because we have something in our rows to begin with. So we're going to go ahead and break this, but this time we're going to do a space. Okay, and we're going to have to tell it, yes, override that. And you can see it's not that this is bad, but this definitely takes a little bit of work to be able to do effectively. Let me show you a better way of doing this. Power Query can absolutely parse any amount of data that you want. In addition to being more powerful than what you would get with text to columns, the other big benefit is the fact that it's going to work every single time. You know, if we were to go in down and add another record after we've done text to columns, guess what? We've got to run that whole procedure again versus with Power Query, we hit refresh. And if there's any new data, it will automatically be included in the output. So we're going to come over here and we're going to select from our data tab. On the left-hand side, we're going to choose this from table range. And we're going to go ahead and indicate that our table uh, has a header because remember everything has to be a table for Power Query. And it's going to bring this data in. So let me show you how we would parse this data to create a more usable uh, metric. First and foremost, it's going to clean up a lot of stuff right from the get-go. Notice uh, uh, that our data looks and acts a little bit more consistent and cleanly than we got originally. Okay. So what we would want to do here is that we would want to break this apart. And so let's first go off of our comma and look for our city name and then separate that from state and zip. 
So with this selected, we're going to come over here to split column and we're just going to go ahead and select in this particular instance to break it based off of the delimiter. In this case, we're going to choose the comma. Okay. Now, again, we can choose to break it at the leftmost occurrence, the rightmost occurrence or something else like that. Now, in our instance, if we had multiple commas listed here, you know, say, for example, Mississippi or Louisiana or Utah here had several comma or we had a secondary comma in here, we could tell it to break it each one of those. The benefit being is that we could only do this once. But in this instance, we have two different delimiters. We have a comma and a space. So we're going to tell us to break at the comma at the leftmost, and we'll see that we'll break it out. Boom. Okay. Now, over here, we also have our city, our state, and our zip. We also have, and it's kind of hard to see here, but there's actually a trailing space uh, listed. There's a trailing space and there's also a um, uh, preface space as well. So one of the things that we could do here is that we could now run a trim function. So if we come over here to our transform and then we choose, let's go ahead and choose our trim. Where are you? It's always fun finding these things. Oh, come on. Split column. Nope, that's not what I want. Yes. Okay, format. We're going to go ahead and choose trim. Okay, and this is going to remove that extra space. Let me go ahead and remove that one more time just so you can see it. Notice how it moves over just slightly, removing that extra space listed. So we'll go ahead and select our trim function there. And then now we can go ahead and choose to split by delimiter, and it should pick up automatically the space. And if we click this, in fact, it does. Now that trim function, what's also benefit of it, if there happened to have been a bunch of extra spaces at the end of the, of the zip code, it would have gotten rid of those too. Trim removes all extra spaces except for the single space between uh, words. Now the next bit that we're going to want to do here is give these better titles. And so we're going to go ahead and call this one city. Okay, we're going to go ahead and call this one state. Okay, we're going to go ahead and call this one zip. There we go. And once we're happy with this, we'll come over here to the Home tab. From the Home tab, we'll go ahead and select Close and Load, returning that data back to Excel. Okay, there you go, very cleanly. Let's go ahead and add another example here. I'm going to choose my hometown, Big Bear Lake, California, 92314. Okay, so we've added another record. We don't have to run that text to columns again. We come over here to our data tab, select data, select refresh. And you'll see that extra option now for Big Bear Lake perfectly brought in. Okay, so let's look at some additional examples. Here's a quick tip, by the way. If you've got a bunch of worksheets, like I do in this workbook at the moment, and you want to access them, and you'll notice, you know, you either have to scroll through these guys to find it. If instead you bring your active cursor down between these two little arrows right here and you right click, you will get the activate screen and then you can easily select the next worksheet you'd like to work with. So in our next example, let's go ahead and switch over to our adding columns. So we're going to go ahead and click this guy right here. So in this particular example, what we want to look at is we want to be able to create a new column from our data. And there are lots of different reasons that we might want to be able to do this. Uh, for example, we might want to be able to create a new column that combines the account number and the account uh, where that a, a transaction occurred, the department. Or maybe we want to, for example, create a compound column that includes both department and account name. 
Okay. Well, how will we normally handle this? Inside of Excel, normally we would use, if we're smart about it, we would use the text join function. Text join function is one of my absolute favorites uh, because it allows us to do a concatenate, but it's really smart. It'll automatically add a delimiter. You can tell it to ignore blank cells. It's a really cool function to use. However, we can also use Power Query. And if we use Power Query, we get the benefit of dynamic data being able to uh, grow and expand or edit based off of um, this data coming in from somewhere else, maybe a, you know, a database or the web or something else like that. So we can create a column from an example to give it an example of the data that we would like it to be. And uh, it will create a new column for us on how that should be. Okay, so we're going to put our active cell right inside of our table. We're going to come over here to our data tab. And from our data tab, we're going to go ahead and select from table range, loading up Power Query. And since that's already a table, we don't have to create one. And it will bring it in for us to be able to start and work with. Colleagues, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our presentation and discussion on next generation Excel reporting. So many more things and incredible things to learn, but that brings us to the end of our presentation today. Let's go ahead and have three quick review questions, then we'll wrap up and get you on your way. All right, our first question. A database is to an Excel workbook as a table is to what? So think about this. A database is a container of data. What does a database contain? Well, it contains tables. Well, okay, what about on the Excel side of this? An Excel workbook is a container of worksheets, right? So it's not a row. It's not a column. And in fact, it is a worksheet. A worksheet is a collection of rows and columns, which in and of themselves are a collection of cells. So in this particular example here, in this question, I would encourage you to think of it in this paradigm. A database contains several different tables. Tables contain row and columns. Rows and columns contain cells. Just like an Excel workbook can contain worksheets, Worksheets can contain rows and columns. Rows and columns contain cells. Our next question, which of the following can be can not be accomplished using Power Query? Now, Power Query is this incredible tool, and hopefully at this point in time, you realize how much I enjoy and how much I love and use this tool on a regular basis. It can do a lot of things, but what can it do? Can it transpose data? You bet you, you, bet you can. Can it split and parse data? Absolutely. You can hit pivot data, you betcha, but you know what it can't do? Sadly, is it can't fix incomplete or inaccurate data. So unfortunately, it just can't do that one option there. Uh, unfortunately, you're always going to have to go back to your raw data to ensure that it's correct and accurate uh, before putting it into Excel. The old phrase, garbage in, garbage out, applied way back when, and it still applies today. All right, our third review question. What does the activate screen allow you to do within an Excel workbook? If you remember in the demo there, I went down to the bottom of the screen and right click between two arrows and this activate screen came up. Uh, so what did it allow me to do? Did it allow me to quickly print? No, it did not. Did it allow me to adjust the data validation and cells? Nope, wasn't for that. Nor was it for adding security to the workbook. But what it did do was allow me to easily switch between worksheets. And I love that activate screen for large workbook with large worksheets inside of it because it allows me to quickly jump inside of my workbook and go between different uh, worksheets without a whole lot of fuss and muss. It's a nice, quick, easy way to navigate your workbook.
So today, what did we discuss? Well, we continued our discussion about Power Query, looking at various text and formula operations. We talked about and it took some examples of how to use utilize dynamic data sets, including data coming from databases. We reviewed some different anatomy of databases for better understanding of how they worked. And we also discussed various tips and tricks along the way. Now, in the fourth edition of this class, we're going to continue our discussion about these next generation Excel reporting, looking at things like slicers, timelines, power pivot, DAX, and hope so much more. Now, as a final reminder, if you're a financial professional and you'd like credit, go ahead and do so. It's super fast and efficient. Head on over to cpetoday.com. Our course code today is NGE3. Just search for that course. This will pop up. And after you purchase the course and complete your exam, you can download copies of the learning materials, ask questions, and so much more. And as our gift to you, if you're a new user, welcome. We're so happy and appreciative that you're here. You can get a free podcast, maybe this one, maybe another class if you're liking. Use one free podcast at checkout for no obligations way of trying out our service and see if you'd like our courses and content. Now, if you like our classes, please consider matching and uh, following us online. And you can find us on just about every social media as CPE Today, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and more. We're always trying to post relevant and interesting news about the profession and to help you find the content that you're going to need to stay on top of your game. And if you enjoy our content, please consider subscribing uh, and on wherever you happen to receive your media, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. Uh, it really helps find new people for our show, and we'd love for you to leave a review and you know help other people essentially know what they can find, what kind of content they can get from CPE today. As always, it's my pleasure to present this material to you. Thank you so much for stopping by the office, and I look forward to seeing you the next time around. Take care and have a great day.